I have so enjoyed uh, leading you through this series on the names of God over the past nine weeks. Today it represents 10 weeks, 10 Sundays that we've looked at the various names of God. And let me just say at the outset here that I welcome in our Marshall campus and our Billy Moore campus. Uh, I have failed to mention them in the last few weeks. Billy Moore campus gets our sermon and our whole worship service by video. And the prisoners that want to watch that and see that are able to do that. And over the last few weeks, uh, since we've come back together, our Marshall campus has had live preaching. Jeffrey and I have shared uh, the sermon series together, but he's out today, and I'm, I'm sure they got the previous service. But I just want to welcome in both campuses because I want to remind us that though we meet on three different campuses, we're one church, and that's very, very important. And so as we think about uh, this sermon today, the sermon today really serves as a culmination of all of the other sermons, all the other names of God. When I say a culmination, I mean it serves as sort of a, a high point. Think about our seniors graduating just a few weeks ago and, and finishing elementary school and middle school and now high school. And that graduation experience is not the end of their learning, hopefully, certainly. We know that life will continue to teach them, right? And so it's not the end of their learning, but it represents a high point for them, a point of crescendo where they come to this place in their life and they say, I've accomplished something. And so for us, this sermon today, in the name of God that we're going to talk about, really serves as a culmination of all the other names that we've talked about over the past nine weeks. And so that would be 18 different names, and that's still really only scratching the surface. We could, a lady asked me after the first service, she said, how many names of God are there? And I said, I'm not sure exactly, but there are a whole bunch. And so I hope that you, now that your appetite's been whetted for that, as you study God's Word, as you read God's Word on a regular basis you'll begin to notice those names of God. And maybe that's a study you'll want to continue on your own as well, because the more you get to know God, the closer you'll be to him, the more intimate your relationship will be with him. But nine weeks ago, I knew that we would be here today on Father's Day. I knew that today would be the culmination of all these messages we've been talking about. And I knew that for us, discovering all these various names of God would result in a, in a high point for us. Because the name of God that I want to share with you today really serves as a completion, so to speak. Even though there are other names of God that we could talk about and study, all the names of God essentially can be included and wrapped up in this one name that I'm going to talk to you about this morning. And that name is this. It's simply Abba Pater. It means daddy, father. Abba is Aramaic. It's the language that Jesus spoke. It's, it means Abba. It's not the same word as father. It's a more intimate term. It's a more familiar term. Most of you have fathers, and you probably don't call them father. You might. It might have been true at your house. At my house, it was dad or daddy. Some people's house is papa or papa, you know. And so the name Abba is really a term of endearment by an affectionate and loving dependent. And you may think, well, I don't feel comfortable referring to the God of the universe as my daddy. That seems a little too impersonal, seems a little too familiar. Well, everywhere, there's only three places in the New Testament where Abba Pater is used, two by the Apostle Paul and one by Jesus. And every time the name is used, Abba is always used with Pater. Pater is Greek for father. So essentially, what the Bible's teaching us about the revelation of God, the names of God, is that no, we're not to get so familiar with God that we somehow reduce him to less than he is in our minds. We always refer to him as, yes, loving and affectionate, our daddy, our father, our papa, but also as someone to be respected and honored. So every time that Abba is used, it's always used with Pater. And, and one of the most familiar places or the place that, that you see it used by Jesus, I would say, 
It's found in Mark chapter 14, verse 36. And this is the moment in Jesus's life that's perhaps the hard, one of the hardest moments he's ever faced. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. It's the end of his life. He's about to face crucifixion. He's about to face being cut off from his father for the first time. He's about to be separated from his father. And so in verse 36 of Mark 14, it says, and he said, Jesus said, Abba, Pater, Abba, Father, Daddy, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. So in, the, in one of the hardest moments of Jesus's life, which we've seen with the, some of the other names of God, God uses that moment to reveal something very specific about himself. God is saying essentially through his interaction with Jesus in the, in the garden, it's okay for my children who know me to think of me as their daddy, as their papa, as someone who loves them like that. Yes, it's always Abba Pater, it's always Abba Father, it's Papa Father, Daddy Father, it's both things, it's love and respect, it's, it's transcendence and eminence. It's this idea of love and confidence in God. So it's always combined, but God wants us to know that he, he expects us to be in a relationship with him like that. He doesn't want it just to be cold and personal and you're God somewhere way off in the universe doing something more important and you're not really that personal to me. That's not what we've learned as we studied the names of God. And it's certainly not true when we see about the name Abba Pater. 189 times in the four gospels, Jesus referred to God as father, just Pater. 124 of those are found in the Gospel of John. So if you want to do more study, if you just want to kind of look at the Gospel through fresh eyes and think about Jesus revealing to us this concept of God as Father, as Father, then I suggest this week as you read your Bible or the next couple of weeks that you read through the Gospel of John to see all the times that Jesus refers to God as Father. Jesus came and the Bible says he was the perfect revelation of God. Jesus even said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he came here to complete the revelation. He came here to, to finalize that, to show us what God is like. And the, the concept that he shares over and over again, that he communicates over and over again, is the idea and the concept that God is ultimately a Father. He could have chosen any of the concepts that we've talked about as we've talked about the names of God. But he uses the concept of Father because the idea of Father communicates all the other things that we've talked about. So I want you to think about something. Uh, this is a quote from J.I. Packer found in the book, Knowing God, where, where Packer talks about the importance of knowing God as Father. So I know it's a long quote, but I really wanted you to see it. It says, you sum up the whole of New Testament religion if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's Holy Father. If you wanna judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his Father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctly Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. And so if that's true, and I, I think Packer's got it right here. Let me just ask you a simple question. When you think of God, do you primarily think of him as your father? Now I know in a room this size and people are watching online that for many of you, the idea of father is a negative idea. 
I'm sorry that that's true in your life, but that is true for many people. My years in ministry have taught me that many people, maybe more people than not, have had a bad experience with their earthly father. In some way, their earthly father failed them greatly, and it has scarred them even into their adult years. And so to talk about the idea of God being father, there's an association with the idea and concept of fatherhood and father that is negative. So I wanna be sensitive to that today because I understand that that's where a lot of people come from. But I want you to understand that in spite of that, God still wants to communicate to us that he's our Abba Pater, he's our daddy father. That is primarily who Jesus communicates with us about that God is. So in God's design, God designed the family. We're celebrating Father's Day today. God designed the family for children to have one mother and one father. God designed it for it to be a male and a female. You with me? <laughs> okay. That was God's design. Not an accident, not meant to be changed later if we decided we want to change it. That was God's design. So in the concept of God's heart is that every child would have love and nurturing from a father and from a mother. Now the reality is that in many of our lives, that didn't happen. It, it, somewhere there was failure. There was human sin. We understand that ultimately that the psalm that we sang about lead me, that God designed children to have parents in their lives who would lead them, who would put them before themselves and think of their best interest. And oftentimes people's experience is very different. And even me talking about that this morning is kind of painful for some of you. And I get that. And I'm not diminishing that at all. Because the reality is those are deep wounds that are left in our lives. When someone that was supposed to love us, care for us, teach us, nurture us, be there for us, spend time with us, somehow didn't end up following through on those things. And it leaves us in a place where we have a negative connotation when it comes to the whole idea and the concept of father. Many of you have had that experience. I would say to you guys at Billy Moore, as I've heard your stories, much of your present condition that you find yourself in is a result of something you didn't get in the past. Your father failed you in some way. And maybe if you could trace it back, and some of you have, you'd figure out that your, your father's father failed him. And if you just keep going, you'd probably see that in your family tree, there's a, there's a fork, there's a branch that's, that's based on and filled with rebellion and things that aren't of the Lord. And so that has a huge impact on the people that fall under it, the children. So today, instead of just continually looking back, what I wanna encourage you today is, to do today is to consider forging a new fork in your family tree. Even if you're an adult and your kids are grown. Listen, you may say, oh no, there's too much water under that bridge. I failed as a father when my kids were young. I can't go back. Yes, you can. For Jesus' sake, you can go back. You can go back and repent to your children and say, I got it wrong. And you may not be met with over a uh, sense of excitement and uh, grace in that moment, but you keep going back because the gospel's worth that. They're worth that. And, and it doesn't matter what happened in the past, you can forge a new path. And if you're a young parent, if you have small children, and maybe your model wasn't that great in your earthly father, you have a model. It's Abba Pater. He's the model. He's the standard by which fathers should be judged and measured and not human uh, fathers. My own experience with my father, I've shared this before with you guys, is my dad, from the time that I can really remember, but probably my older elementary years all the way through high school, 
My dad was diagnosed as, uh, with manic depressive disorder, which we would call bipolar disorder today, which meant that for my dad, for three or four years of his life at a time, his daily routine was sleeping, stay in the bed until one or two in the afternoon, get up, go downstairs, turn the TV on, sit in front of the TV until 10 or 11 at night, go back upstairs, get in the bed and do it all over again. He didn't interact with us. I have three siblings. There was very little interaction during those years. He wasn't physically sick. It was very difficult for me to understand why he couldn't just get up and do something, but I didn't understand depression. And then one day, out of the blue, with no warning, I would come home from school and there'd be a new car in the driveway. And for most of you, you go, family got a new car, that's awesome. For me, it was like, back up. Maybe I should go to my friend's house. Because that meant that overnight, for no explained reason, the switch flipped in his brain and his brain started making serotonin again, which our bodies make all the time for most of us and we just stay even all the time, fearfully and wonderfully made, amazing. But for him, that switch would flip and that gate would open and it would be way too much. So instead of being depressed, he would be the other extreme. He would be manic, crazy, not sleep for days, have all these amazing ideas, take all the family resources and spend them on whatever the new crazy idea was. So at my house, it was, whoa, go to your room, lock the door and hope he doesn't come knock on it, you know? And so it was craziness and that would last for a few months and then all of a sudden, come home one day, he'd be in the chair again, it's over. And so my dad was a Christian, he wanted healing, God never healed him of that, he's in heaven now and he is well and fine, okay? And the next time I see him, he'll be perfect. And so I can't wait for that day, I can't wait to hug him, I love my dad. But I have to tell you that there was a time when I was about 15, when I was about 16, I guess, because I was already a believer, that I realized that my dad was never really going to be able to be there for me. It just wasn't in the cards. It wasn't what he could control. He didn't have any control over that. And so at some point, I remember saying to the Lord, you're my father. You're my eternal father. You gave me my dad for a period of time to teach me basic things about yourself so that there'd be a day in my future where I would learn that God loves me too, just like my earthly father did, where I would transfer my trust to my heavenly father, to his son, Jesus, to become my savior, and that I'd be adopted into his family and have him as my real, true, eternal father forever. Perfect father forever. That is a real moment in my life. I remember doing that. And what that did is it released me from anger toward my dad and helped me have compassion for him to say, I know he can't help it. And I'm disappointed, but I know he can't do anything about it. So instead of punishing him for it, I'm gonna pray for him, I'm gonna encourage him, I'm gonna try to support him because I've got a perfect heavenly father. I've got a perfect Abba Pater who never ever lets me down. And for you this morning, I don't know if you can understand what Packer was trying to say, but for each of us, we've gotta to get to the place in our life where we where we have all our dependence on our heavenly father, our eternal father, because he's going to be your father forever. And that's never, ever going to change. So this morning, I want you to think about where we've been over the last nine weeks. And I want you to think about who your father is. See if you can remember some of these things. Your father is Elohim, powerful, creator of everything you can see around you, all the colors you can see, all the order, all the structure, all the mountains, everything that's beautiful and wonderful, that's your father. He's powerful, supreme, and sovereign. That's him. He's Yahweh. He's Yahweh. He's self-existent. He's personal. 
personal to you. And he's present, he's here. He's not absent, he's not an absentee father. He's here, he's present in my life. He's El Elyon, he's the God most high. There's no one above him. So if he says to you and to me, you're adopted, I adopted you. No one can change that, alter that in any way. I'm adopted, signed, sealed, secured. I'm adopted because he's the most high. He's El Elyon. He's Yahweh Shalom. He's the God of peace. My father wants to bring peace into my life. He's the God who can do that. Even though the circumstances of my life may be full of turmoil, knowing that I ultimately will be with my father forever, that alone brings peace into my life. He's Elkanah. He's the jealous God. He wants me to love him. Let me ask you dads, moms here today, are you satisfied with your kids if they just do everything right but don't really love you? No. No, I, I still love to see my son at 29, almost 30. He still grabs me and hugs me so tight that it kind of hurts a little bit, you know? And I'm like, oh gosh, man, you know? And he kisses me. A grown man, he's kissing his dad, you know? Not on the lips, we don't do that, but he'll kiss me on my cheek. And you know what? Though he's hurting me, <laughs> I love it. I love that moment. That's what it means to be Elkanah, a God. Your father doesn't just want your obedience. He doesn't just care if you get through all the right hoops at all the right time. He wants your love and he won't be satisfied with anything less than that. And anything that competes for your love for him, he's jealous of. So he truly loves you. He's Elkanah. Your father is Yahweh Makedesh. He's the God who sanctifies you. He's the one who made you. So he knows what your purpose is. He knows why he puts you on the planet, why he allowed you to be born. He knows full well why you're here. He's the one who sets you apart for his purposes. He's El Roy. He's the God who sees you. Remember that story? God sees. Sometimes in our turmoil, we think God can't be aware of what's going on. Yes, he knows. He sees everything that goes on in your life. He's Yahweh Yahweh. He not only sees you, but he sees to it in your life. He pre-visions. He's already in your future. He already knows what your future is going to hold. And he's already providing for what you're going to need when you get there. That's your father. Isn't that what you do for your kids? See a little bit of that? If you know where your kids are going, you've lived more life than they have. You have a little more experience. And so you kind of know what's coming and you begin to prepare them for it before they get there. Well, your heavenly father is perfect. Your Abba Pater is perfect and he sees to it in your life. He's El Shaddai, he's God Almighty. He's the overpower that nothing and no one can overpower. Ever been with your dad, guys? And when you're a little kid and you know, you're like, I can, I can fight and face anybody as long as my dad's here. Because my dad's got my back, right? Know that feeling? Well, that just multiply that times a million. Your God is El Shaddai. There's no one that can overpower him, including Satan. No one can overpower him. That's your father. Your father is Yahweh Rapha, the God who heals. And ultimately, when you know Jesus is your savior and you die and you go to heaven, you get the ultimate healing. Because there won't be any sin or sickness in heaven. Won't be any cancer in heaven. Won't be any cerebral palsy in heaven. There won't be any crippled people in heaven. There'll be perfection because that's your heavenly father. He is the one who heals. Atik Yoam, the ancient of days, the, the father of yours who will stand someday in judgment of all sin. But you won't face judgment for your sin because he's forgiven you. He's beyond eternity, beyond time. He's Yahweh Nisi. He's the God who is your banner, your rallying point. He's the reason we live our lives. He's Adonai. He's our Lord and master. He's our leader. Do you trust him like that? 
I know when you're little, you trust your parents for everything. And you should. That's the way God designed it. So ultimately, you would learn to trust him as the leader of your life. He's Yahweh's in Kenu. The Lord is our righteousness. He's the only one that's right all the time, every time. And I'm never right. <laughs> and so when I put my trust in Jesus as my Savior, he makes me, he gives me his righteousness. He makes me right. He changes my position. I go from being a stranger to being his child. I get to be adopted. In Jesus Christ, that adoption is forever. He's El Dea. He's the God who knows. If you read the Gospels, you'll see and you remember that, that the disciples were often worried about a lot of things. And he would say, why are you worried about this? That Your father knows. He's El Dea. He knows. He knows every detail. The Bible says he knows every hair on your head. He knows all the details of your life. He's Yahweh Sabaoth. He's the God of armies, the God of hosts. He's the commander of countless angels, of armies. He has that kind of power and authority. And if the commander of that kind of army is your father, that's pretty cool, isn't it? You're good. You don't have to be worried about things because he has that authority and that power. He's El Olam. He's the God who's eternal. He's unchanging. Some of you struggled in your own relationship with your earthly father because your earthly father, you never were sure, like me, who you were going to find when you got home because he changed sometimes. Wasn't consistent all the time. Your heavenly father, your Abba Pater, he's completely consistent across all time from now and forever. And so you can trust him. He's Yahweh Shema. He's the God who's there. He's the God who will be there with us forever. And then he's Abba Pater. He's your father. And so I actually put all those names on a handout that you can print out. If you go online to our website, there's a link there and you can print those out. And I would encourage you to do that, to use that. Put that in your Bible and use that in your meditation when you sit down to pray so that you're focused and seeing God as he is. But just know that he's the God who is your father and desires to be your father. Now you could focus on any one of those things. And that could be your focus. You could say, well, you know what? He's the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of armies. I'm going to be a good soldier. He's... Uh, some other name that I'm talking about here, I'm just going to focus on that one thing. That's not enough. What, the, what helps is to understand what Jesus came to communicate, and that is that he's a father, which encompasses all those ideas, but perfectly. Because I said a moment ago, our earthly fathers, even if you have an awesome earthly father, he still falls short. He's not the standard. He's not the model. Your heavenly father is the model. So regardless of how disappointed you may or may not be in your earthly father, just know that that's not the standard. The standard of fatherhood should be measured against who God is because he is a perfect father who never disappoints. 1 John 3, 1 says this, See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children, and we are. We are. We get to have God as our father. I want to encourage you in your life, regardless of where you are with your earthly father, to begin to transfer your love and trust to your heavenly father, your dependence your desire for him to speak into your life and, and lead your life because he has a desire to do that. To release your earthly dad from whatever expectations he failed to meet in your life. To release him from that. Forgive him. And trust the Lord, your God, to be your father because that's what he wants to do because he is the God and the father who is above every other. His name is above every other. Paul said this in Romans chapter eight. He said, for all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Pater, Daddy, Father. In other words, when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, 
He adopts you. He puts his spirit inside of you and your spirit, that spirit inside of his spirit inside of you cries out, Abba, Daddy, great God of mine, Father. Have you embraced your adoption as a child of God? Um, my son, I mentioned him a moment ago. This is his first Father's Day to get to be a father. He became a father nine weeks ago. He's a foster dad uh, to a little five-year-old girl, and he and my daughter-in-law hope to adopt this little girl. This little girl's never had a dad in her life. She's never known a dad. She's been in two or three foster homes. She barely knows her mother. She's been in foster care for a couple of years. But in my son's home, she's the only child. She's got a mom now and a dad. First time in her life. And one of the very first days, I think it was like the second day that she was in their home, my daughter-in-law sent us a video of her sitting at the window. It was a big picture window. And for four hours, she sat there. Every car that came by, she said, Daddy, Daddy's coming, Daddy's car's coming, Daddy's car's coming, and then Daddy drive by. Guess that wasn't Daddy. Didn't deter her at all. She sat there for four hours till his car pulled in the driveway. And then she went berserk, you know, ran downstairs, grabbed him, and uh, he had chores and stuff he needed to do. And so my daughter-in-law was like, come on, I'll, I'll sh- we'll watch a movie together, let Dad do his chores. And she didn't want to watch a movie. She wanted to be with her Daddy. So my daughter-in-law took a video of out in the garage. He's tying up the trash, doing all this stuff. She's just standing there like a chatterbox, just talking to him 90 miles an hour. She just followed him everywhere he went. And in the nine weeks that they've had her, her life has been transformed, really. Her speech was delayed and other things like that. And she's learning all those basic things that you teach your kids as you have them. But she loves having a dad. We all do. We were made to be children of a dad, to be daughters and sons of a dad. And when Paul says we have that spirit of adoption in us, when we trust Jesus as our Savior, we cry out for our Father, and we have a perfect Father. That's the God we've been talking about for the last 10 weeks. He is a perfect Father. Luke 15, Jesus tells three stories to describe to the religious leaders really what God's like, because they didn't get it. Jesus is eating and hanging out with people who are sinners. So... Religious people didn't like that. And Jesus is like, well, you guys are religious, but you don't really understand who God is. Let me tell you three stories to demonstrate who God is. Tell you about the lost sheep, tell you about the lost coin, and then I'm gonna tell you about the lost son. And that's the story that we often refer to as the prodigal son. Well, you know that story. Son wants to leave, wants to get his inheritance early, takes it to the foreign country, spends it on reckless living, finds himself feeding the pigs, figures out that it might be better, which is the moment in the story that really is a teachable moment. It might be better for me if I was at my father's house. Because even if I just go back and serve him as a slave or servant, it'd be better for me if I was at my father's house, right? So this is what verse 20 says, describing the dad, the father. Filled with compassion, the father, he ran, threw his arms around him and kissed him. I love that. That's probably my favorite part of the story. Because what Jesus is saying is, that's God. Jesus could have said anything about God. Well, actually, he couldn't. He had to say what was true about God. And what he says is true about God in the story is that God's the image of a man sitting on his porch waiting for that son to come back home. And when he sees him, he doesn't just say, uh-huh, coming back home, huh? Got your tail between your legs? Spent all your money? Wasted your money, didn't you? Uh-huh. That's not the picture that Jesus points us to of God at all. It's not that kind of father. What does he point us to? A man who gets up and runs to his son 
and doesn't just run, but when he gets to him, he throws his arms open and he grabs him and he hugs him. And if you read the rest of the story, he throws a celebration, a feast for him because his son has returned. That's what God wants from us. He wants that kind of relationship, a father-child relationship. So think about the very first week we, did this, we started this series about what Tozer said. The thought that comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So is the thought that comes into your mind when you think of God most a father? If it's not, tell the Lord to work on that in your life because that's where you need to get to. Because that sums up everything else we've talked about. One of my favorite songs when I was a young Christian was this song that had these lyrics and it says, you don't have to run and hide. You can drop all your defenses. His arms are open wide. There'll be love and laughter when you finally give in and the celebration's waiting to begin. And that is the invitation today to everybody in this room, everybody who's watching online, is that God is that father who desires to adopt you. Everybody's not a child of God. That, you hear that in the media, you hear it all over the place. Every human is a child of God. We're all God's children. No, we're not. We're all God's creation. If, if you're all his children, he doesn't need to adopt us. He adopts you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, many of you in here have done that. You've asked Christ to come into your life. You said, I do believe that Jesus is the savior of the world. I believe he came to die on the cross for me and that he died and rose again. And I believe he's the savior of the world. Then you took the next step of faith, which is you said, I want Jesus to come into my life and save me. I put my personal trust in him to save me. And when you did that, he made you his child. He adopted you into his family forever and made you his child. And so this morning, I'm gonna ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes. And if you've already trusted Christ and you're already in God's family, then I'm gonna ask you to pray for the people that are here with us this morning in the room and those who are watching online because there are a lot of people still watching online. And if you're in the camp that says, you know, I've really never taken that step. I've never really stepped across the line and said, I want Jesus to be my savior. I believe all the right stuff. I believe he's the savior of the world, but I've never trusted him to be my savior. This morning, I'm gonna give you a chance to do that. Greatest moment of your life is about to happen. When you go from a stranger to being adopted as a son or daughter of God. So with nobody looking around but me, if that's you this morning, you say, that's me, I'm ready. This is my moment of decision and I am ready to put my faith in Jesus Christ. Would you just raise your hand? I'm the only one looking around right now. Just raise your hand. We had a young man pray and receive Christ in this service last Sunday. Thank you. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Don't be shy. This is a great moment in your life. You guys that are watching online, I'm just going to lead you through what the Bible calls or says is calling on the name of the Lord. We call that prayer, but it's not a prayer that saves you. It's your faith. And so when you call upon the name of the Lord, Paul says you're demonstrating that you do have faith. And so this morning, I'm just going to lead you in a time of calling on the name of the Lord. So you could just say this to the Lord. And he knows whether you say the words out loud or just in your heart silently. He knows your heart. He knows your motives. He knows everything about you. So you could just say, dear God in heaven, I'm sorry for my sin. I don't want it. I'm sorry I've offended you with my sin. I want to have a relationship with you that lasts forever. I want to be your child. I want to be adopted into your family. I want to be your son or daughter. Thank you for sending Jesus for me. Help me now to live in a way that honors you. Teach me how to walk with you. I pray in Jesus' name. 